Good morning, everybody. Awesome. All right, if you got your Bibles, let's go to uh, John chapter 11. We'll get there in just a second. John chapter 11, do a quick review of our last couple weeks. So the first week, um, I've got the information there on Exodus 3 and the original I Am. I'm going to pass over that today. But uh, the first week, uh, we looked at uh, John chapter 6, and Jesus made a statement, and he, he said, I am the something of life. What did he say? Some of you are holding it in your hands. Yes, I'm the bread of life. That's right. It might be in a donut form, but it's close enough, right? That's good. That joke brought to you by my wife this morning. Yes. Uh, second week was I am the light of the world, right? I'm the light of the world. So we'll go slow so everybody can get their blanks filled in this morning. The bread of life, the light of the world. Third week, I am the door of the sheep. Some of your translations may say gate, and that's close enough. I'm the door of the sheep. And then last week was I am the good shepherd. Absolutely, I am the good shepherd. So today we start with week number five. I'm the resurrection and the life. So if you're in John chapter 11, let's start with verse 1. It says, now a certain man was sick. And we'll stop there for just a second, right? Because Jesus tells a lot of stories, uh, and a lot of stories are told in the Bible. But whenever you see the certain man and then the person has a name, this is not a story representative of some larger thing. This is an actual story that happened in a historical account. So this is a, a real guy. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany the town of Mary and her sister Martha, and it was, that Mary who, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, not went, but sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of, man, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he, when you hear that somebody that you love is sick, you what? You go, right? I mean, you, you go. And Jesus stayed, right? And why did he stay? Well, if you've been paying attention, because we've already said it, right? It was back in verse 4. This is for the glory of God, that the Son of God, who's the Son of God? That's Jesus. That Jesus might be glorified through it. And we have this really awful theology in the world today that basically says, um, if you're sick, it's because you've sinned. And if you're sick, it's because you did something wrong and God's getting back at you. And we have a, a quid pro quo God and bad here, bad there. And just it's just bad theology. Um, and just entertain the idea that if somebody is sick, it might be so that Jesus is glorified. And, th and that is hard. It's hard to understand when it's somebody that you love. It's hard to understand when it's you. Um, it's hard to understand if you show up late for Sunday school and don't understand the point that I was just... Oh, hey, Jonas, how you doing, buddy? Yeah. I love you, man. And she sat in the middle, too, so it was like, right? And there's no hiding today. No hiding today. That's awesome. And I'm off where I was. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Okay, verse 6. There we go. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Uh, so so he's, he's setting himself up to glorify himself. Then verse 7. 
And after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples, as they do often, decide to argue with him. Um, and they said, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? So literally, what, what did he just tell them we were going to go do? We're going there again. And he said, do you want to go there again? No, I'm just speaking just to hear my own voice, right? I mean, it's just... It's, the, the, the sheer, if you want to be amazed at the, at the love and the mercy and the patience of God, you read through the Gospels and just watch how many times Jesus should have killed the disciples. <laughs> We're going to go do this. What are we going to go do? We're going to go do this. But yeah, I don't think so. We're going to go do this. Ah, murmur, 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 murmur. We're going to go do this. And they're still alive, right? I mean, it just, it, it, it is the demonstration of God's mercy and love and grace. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? Now, yes, Jesus knows that there are 24 hours in a full uh, 21st century day. In the Jewish day, there was 12 hours in the day, and there were 12 hours in the night. So he is correct here. 12 hours in the day. Uh, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. Because you're supposed to rest when you're sick, right? I mean, what did, what did your mom tell you when you were sick when you were little? You need to rest. You got to go rest, okay? So they've listened to their moms. This is good. Verse 13, however, Jesus spoke of his death. But they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Just insert random comment from Thomas here, right? Um, if, if those of you that have done any teaching, whether it be in a group setting or in uh, smaller, larger group or small group, will will quickly remember that in any group there is almost always at least one person that is just not paying attention. And is really not, if, if you called on them to speak just at random, now everybody's nervous and I'm going to do this, I'm not, Jonas, I've already, I've already done that to you, I'm not going to do it again. That, exactly, right? And there's just, what was the comment? Where did that come? I mean, Stacey, you've never experienced this teaching school, right? Never? I mean, they just, everybody's always with you, just right there, ready to, yeah, not even close. All right, so verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So did Jesus actually delay two days? No, he delayed four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. So this is not one of those, you got to get out your map and figure out how many days journey it would take. I mean, two miles. This is, this is so for some of us, um, two miles is probably longer than I want to go walk, but this was rounding for them at this time. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just two miles, no big deal. So verse 19, And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. Remember, Martha's the doer. But Mary was sitting in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, she gets spiritual, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You know, and I, 
I feel like there's a sense of truthfulness coming out of Martha here. I don't want to guess too much at her, her uh, emotions, but uh, she got the Sunday school answer right. I mean, this is, he is going to rise again in the resurrection. Absolutely. You are theologically correct. That was a good answer. And then Jesus turns the whole thing around. And verse 25, this is our text for the day. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is come, who is to come into the world. So let's skip down a little bit to verse 38. Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and the stone, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a, what's your Bible say? Stench. Anybody else have a different word? A bad odor. Anybody else? The smell is terrible. Yeah. Guess what? He's been dead four days. I mean, this is... Uh, like the, the, the epitome of let's go and dig something up that you just don't need to mess with, right? Just, just leave this alone. And Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, and whenever he starts off with this kind of an answer, did I, reminding somebody what he already, it's going to get really cool really quick. If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father... I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, look what I have done. Am I not awesome? This is incredible. No, what did he say? He's always concerned about the person that he's just helped. Whenever Jesus heals somebody, whenever Jesus raises somebody from the dead, he's always immediately concerned about their physical condition. He said, loose him and let him go, because he's wrapped up in clothes that don't smell good. Yeah. Right? When you wrap something that doesn't smell uh, good in clothes, those clothes are not going to smell good as well. This is it's going to be really rough. So uh, today is the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. So let's talk about resurrections. Now, uh, flip to the back of your handout if you would. I'm going to ask you a question. It might be relatively obvious from the handout. It might not be. But about how many different instances of resurrections are there in the Bible? If you had to guess, 10? Jonas, Jonas is all over it. You're redeeming yourself here, brother. You, there you go. He's paying attention. Right? No Thomas here, right? All right, so uh, next week we'll, we'll focus more on the life part, uh, but today is the resurrection part. Uh, I wore my uh, most colorful shirt with a collar today because this is resurrection. Resurrection is new life. Resurrection is good and bright and good things. Uh, I thought that was funny, but I guess not. So. All right, so let's run through these pretty quick. Uh, some of them are going to seem a little bit random. Some of them are going to seem, you, you, you may go, I don't remember reading about that one. It's okay. They're in there. So let's just start with the first one. Everybody go to 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24. 1 Kings 17, 17 through 24. Who's got it? Zeke, you got it? Okay. So 
time later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse, and finally he died. So what is the state of the son? He's dead. The son is dead. Okay, I just want to establish he's that. Thanks. Keep going. Dead. Yeah, he's not mostly dead. Chocolate uh, pill will not fix this. Exactly. He is all dead. Okay. Then she said to Elijah. Pause oh, on that. Uh, if you've not seen The Princess Bride, go watch <laughs> The Princess Bride. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. It's worth $7.99 for a month of Netflix just to watch it, just to complete your uh, evolution as an adult in the United States of America. So, all right. Unpause. Back to the text. There we go. No, that's staying in. All right. Then she said to Elijah, O oh man of God, what have you done to me? So who did she blame for this? Elijah. Yeah. She blamed the man of God, which that never happens today, right? We don't ever blame. Hardly ever. No. Okay. Keep going. Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? So what was her philosophy on life? It's my fault. I did something. I did something. It's the same philosophy we see in the New Testament, same philosophy we see today. This is an old, old bad philosophy. Keep going. But Elijah replied, give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room. So get that for just, I I missed that before. I'm sorry. So she's saying this, what have you done to me? And what is she, she's holding him. Think about that visual picture for a second. I mean, that just, this this is a broken, I mean, holding her, keep going. I'm going to get emotional here. <laughs> Carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying and laid the, bo- I'm sorry, the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord, my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O my God, O Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the Oh, upper room. But, but, but the kid was dead. True. And then now you're saying what? He's alive. He's alive. Well, that's kind of cool. Is that in like the prophet's manual or something? You, you turn to page 642, and the, the manual says you lay on the child three times, which is weird. And then the child comes back to life. Uh, apparently, because did he ask God what he should do? He just started doing that, and then he prayed. And God heard his prayer, and the child is alive. So, first recorded uh, resurrection in the Bible, right there. Kind of strange, but guess what? Do you think the mom cared? No, no, not at all. Now, was this a private resurrection, or was this a very public <laughs> resurrection? It's private, right? Because he brought him into a room, and then they came out, and the boy is alive. So we'll, we'll just keep track of how many private and how many public as we go through it. Okay. All right? So 2 Kings 4. 2 Kings 4. And I will help you with the pronunciation. Shunammite is the word that is awkward here. 2 Kings 4. Who's got 32 through 37? Jonas? Oh, you're going for extra credit now, aren't you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in therefore. So what's the state of the child? He's dead. He's dead. Okay, just making sure. He went in therefore, shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. So is this the same person as before? No. No. Almost, right? Elisha. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, At some point in my Christian walk, I will uh, learn like all the things that one did versus the other. Right now, they're all just kind of mashed up together. So if you have trouble with that, your Sunday school teacher does too. 
you can, if that helps or not, I don't know. Keep going. And he went up and lay on the child. He did what? He, he laid on the child. Who does that sound like? Elijah. It sounds like Elijah, right? Because Elisha did a lot of the same kind of stuff, and he maybe heard about this story from <laughs> Elijah, and well, maybe I'll do the same thing, right? Okay, so let's keep going. It's about to get weird. I read it's it. about to get weird, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. And he returned and walked back and forth in the house, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times. Yeah. And the child opened his eyes. Yeah, because if you were going to make up a story, you wouldn't throw that in there, right? <laughs> I mean, you're going to leave the sneezing part out, right? And, and these are the, uh, I heard a preacher say one time, the New Testament is so full of oddball references to just ridiculously mundane things that it's one of the proofs that it's actually true because no really good author would include the sneezing. You don't need the, what does the sneezing have? You could like Google sneezing in the Bible. It doesn't show up a lot. Right. Okay. He sneezed seven times. He sneezed seven times. That's right, right? Yeah. So there's something there. It's a full sneeze. I've heard that before. It's a full sneeze. Yes. Oh, groan. All right. So if he's sneezing, is he dead? I'm going to say no. Because if you see a, a, a dead person sneeze, you have got a doctor that needs to make another call on this, okay? Right? So was that the, was that the last verse? You got two more verses. Okay. Gehazi. Gehazi. Said, yep, his servant. Yep. And said, "Call this Shunammite woman." So he called her, and when she came into him, he said, "Pick up your son." So she went in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. And that's the end of the story. And it's kind of an awkward story because it's just there's really no more about any of this. We don't get any dialogue between her and him or the son. or It's just the boy's alive, and we immediately move into the next part of the chapter. And you go, feels like we didn't finish, right? It feels like there ought to be some hooping and hollering or somebody kills a goat or, I mean, something <laughs> should happen afterward. But so, so let me ask you the same question. So is this done in private, do you think, or in public? The very private, okay. All right, let's keep going. So this is, a, a, this is probably the strangest one of the... 10 that we'll look at today is 2 Kings 13, 20, and 21. Uh, anybody already flipped ahead? Darla, you got it? Elisha died and was buried. Who? Now, which one? Elisha. Elisha. So the second one. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. So just pause right there. So the bad guys are coming, so we're going to rush the burial, right? And they toss him in a tomb, and it happens to be Elisha's tomb. Mm -hmm. And then what happens next? When the body touched Elisha. Now, is the man dead or alive? I forgot to establish this. The Bible says the man is dead. Okay. So when the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. <laughs> You're like... Okay. <laughs> now, I watched the movie World War Z this week, um, and I love a good zombie movie. I, I really do. And this is not a zombie. This is somebody coming back to their prior live state. You like zombie movies? You nodding? Yes, you like zombie movies. That is so cool. Fist bump me there. There you go. Don't leave me hanging. Thanks. All right. Um, so when the body, the dead body touches the bones, now... 
a lot of people draw a lot of conclusions from this. A, a pretty, I think, relatively safe one is that there was a lot of power that God gave Elisha to do a lot of different things. Um, and almost every commentator that you read on this will say there was so much power left in his dead body that when a dead body touched those bones, it kind of came out and came to life. I, I don't know. I don't know that the text actually says any of that. I think the text just says the guy was alive, right? And how, what was the proof that he was alive? He stood up on his feet. He stood up on his feet, because you ain't seen a dead guy do that, right? No. Okay. All right. So was this a, now this is, might be a tricky one. Was this a private or a public one? Kind of felt like the actual resurrection was private because it was in the tomb, but then very quickly what? He got out of the tomb, yeah, because you wake up and, well, I was having a bad day, <laughs> and now I'm in a tomb, <laughs> and what in the world, right? Okay, great. So your blank is a dead man. All we know about him is he's dead. We don't know his name. He was just dead, right? And then he wasn't, which that's a pretty cool story to tell. <laughs> This is one of the more awkward lessons I think I will ever teach in my life because they are just, it's a really neat, but I like, this is how, this is how I enjoy studying. You're going to see a little of my heart through these lessons, I guess, but um, just seeing how something is used all the way through the scripture to see if there's patterns or anything. All right, so then we come to uh, three different texts, and I want to use the one in Mark. So Mark 5, 35 through 43. And I've heard this guy's name pronounced every which way imaginable. Um, Jairus is probably the closest. Um, you might have heard Jairus or um, Jairus even, but Jairus is pretty close. So who's got Mark 5, 35 through 43? Dave, you got it? Yeah. While he was still speaking, some, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken... He said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So that's his inner circle, right? So Jesus is taking his inner circle with him. And where do they go? Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw the tumult uh, and uh, those who wept and wailed loudly. So it's and these were the paid wailers, yes. um, which I guess is kind of a cool job title, paid wailers. Uh, but the, the richer you were in the New Testament, the more people you could afford to pay to cry out and to wail and to mourn at your family member's funeral to show how greatly that you loved them. So it's kind of awkward, but that's, that's what they did. So, yeah. When he came in, he said to them, why make such a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But then he uh, had put, uh, put them all outside. He took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him. And who were those that were with him? Right, so his inner circle. Yep, Peter, James, and John, yep, right. okay. Uh, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the, by the hand and said to her, uh, Talitha Kumi, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked. Whoa, time out, time out, time out, time out. Now, she was what? Asleep. She was what? She was dead. She was dead, yeah. Right. And then now she's Alive. walking. Yep. Cool. All right. For she was 12 years of age, 
and they were overcome with great amazement. You think? Because <laughs> a lot of paid whalers had seen a lot of funerals, and they ain't ever seen one like this. <laughs> it's like, well, do I get to cash my check? <laughs> do, I, do I go home? Do I, what do we do, right? I mean, is this a bonus? Yeah, because I'm going to get paid on this little girl later in my life too, right? I don't know. It's a this, is, this is a twofer, yeah. This is awkward, right? So, so thank you, Dave. Last part. Yes, I'm sorry. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know of it. Yeah. And said that, uh, said that something should be given to her to eat. Yeah. He took care of her physical needs, right? right? Yeah. He was, again, concerned about her. So was this one a private one or was this one a public one? Public. Well, that, it's an interesting... So the actual resurrection itself, I'll ask the question two ways, and I think we'll get two different answers. So the actual resurrection itself, we would say, was probably more private, and then like 30 seconds later, it was very public, right? Okay, cool. Um, so who saw this again? Yeah, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John, and the parents. So we're going to come back to that here in a little bit. Um, all right, so then the next one is the one we just read about was Lazarus. Uh, this is, well, now, was this private or was this public? This is very public. This was a, oh, did I skip number five? I skipped number five, yes. Thank you, Jonas. Jonas, I appreciate that. Not only are you paying attention, you're correcting the teacher in the middle of class, so that's even better. Jonas asked me a Jonas asked me a question. No, he's doing actually exactly what I told him to do. Uh, he asked me a question a few weeks ago. He said, if you, if you like, skip something in the handout, should we let you know? I'm like, yes. I didn't put it there to skip it. I put it there to cover it. So, yes, please let me know. Uh, so he's doing exactly what I asked. So Luke 7, 11 through 17. Who's got that? Yes. Tim? Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out. So what kind of man? Dead man. A dead man, okay. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the So city. is that good for her? No. No, she's got a problem at this point. She has nobody to support her. This is a bad, bad thing. Okay. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw, saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said... Because you didn't do this. You didn't touch dead things, right? This was a problem. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. So the evidence of his no longer being dead is... He's talking. He's talking, <laughs> right? Because dead people don't do that. Okay? And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear Isn't that beautiful? that beautiful? Now, do you see a pattern with the people that are brought back to life? Who is generally around? Family. family. Yeah, their family are around. Kind of neat. So, what's the rest of it? Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, a great prophet has arisen, has arisen among us. And <laughs> I didn't notice that before. That was pretty cool. Did you see what he did there? Has arisen among us? Arisen? Yeah, you'll get it in a minute. Don't worry. <clears throat> and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and in the surrounding districts. So was this one a private one or a public one? So this is harder to like sit on top of and contain because now word is going everywhere. And then 
we come to number six in the list, which is Lazarus, which is also a very public one. So do you see how Jesus starts off with a very private one, and then it gets public, and then it gets public again? So he's demonstrating his power in public here. Now, the one you may have skipped over, um, it's actually the one that I skipped over when I was making my initial list here. It was Matthew 27, 51 through 53. Uh, this is Jesus on the cross. And this is kind of a spooky one. Um, I guess to some degree all resurrections are a bit spooky, right? Because you have a dead person and now it's no longer dead. Uh, but Matthew 27, 51, 52, and 53. Terry, you got that one? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary temple was torn. So what was the moment that the curtain in the sanctuary in the temple was torn? Jesus died. Jesus died. That second, Jesus died. This veil in the, in the temple was torn. This was the separation between... The Holy of Holies and all other locations on the earth. And what happens? Uh, t- um, it was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split apart, and tombs opened. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. You remember reading that one in there? <laughs> You're like, ah, yeah, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. It was a cool day. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection, went into the holy city of Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. (laughs) (laughs) Now, does it give a time frame on when these people lived? It doesn't. This could have been anybody from the Old Testament that was buried in this location. David could have been walking around. Abraham could have been walking around. Isaac or Jacob. I mean, anybody could have been walking around. Doesn't just say these were... Locals that lived in the last couple of months. I mean, this could have been anybody. And they appeared to how many people? Many. Yeah, because there was a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah. So, number seven, many saints. Many saints. Jesus' death broke a lot of things on this planet. A lot of things on this planet. There's a lot of stuff going on. And then we come to my favorite, number eight. Jesus, yeah. His is recorded in all four. Um, Now, what about his resurrection? The actual resurrection itself, private or public? Extraordinarily private. Who, Who actually saw him go from dead to life? He did. I don't know that anybody else could have taken it, quite honestly. I don't know, but that was it. And it's in all four of the Gospels. Because uh, that's what they're all about. Because <laughs> you, you, you can have the first 27 chapters of Matthew, the first 15 of Mark, the first 23 of Luke, and the first 19 of John. But if you don't have the last one of each, you can throw those books away. Because who wants to serve a dead God? Not me. I want to serve a live one. But it doesn't stop there. Wait, there's more. Buy now and you get two. All right? So let's go to Acts chapter 9. That's just a result of me not getting enough sleep. So all that was. <laughs> All right, so Acts chapter 9. This is an up-and-coming name in the list of popular names uh, for hipsters to name their kids. Uh, let's look at verses 36 through 43. Who's got this one? I do. Fire away, Miss Amy. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. Yes, which is awesome that they put Dorcas in there, right? Because I would have gone with Tabitha, but okay. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. 
but it happened in those days that she became sick and died when they had So she was a, now she, well, hang on, because good people don't get sick and die. Yeah, they do. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. Okay. When they washed her, they laid her in the upper room and said, Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the windows, all the widows stood up by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was there with them. This, I think, is one of the most beautiful pictures in all the New Testament. Some of you heard me teach this several times, but here's, here's what she did for me. This is what I remember from her. Right? She made, I mean, does anybody have anything that you've got, feel that is precious that somebody who is no longer on this earth made for you? It, mm-hmm. could, could you sell those things? There's, there's no, there's no, it's never going to end up in a yard sale, maybe after you're dead, but certainly not while you're alive. Those things are precious to you, and they're showing these and saying this is what she did. Here's the evidence of her good works. Right? So let's keep going. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Time out. Does that remind you of anything? What does that remind you of? When Jesus did it. And who was in the room when he did it? Peter was in the room when he did it. Yeah. So just like Elisha heard from Elijah about what he did, Peter saw and said, you know what? Jesus did this. Somebody that brought back from the dead. I'm going to pray to the same God with the same power and tell this lady to arise. And what happened? And she opened her eyes. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand. Which I think is kind of cool, right? When she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called the, the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. Pretty cool story, huh? So Peter learned, and then Peter did, which is what a disciple is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to learn from your master, and then you're supposed to do it. And he did. So, But that's not the last one in the Bible. The last one in the Bible is a funny one. Well, not so funny for him, but... Um, Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. The pronunciation is Eutychus, in case you're wondering. So, Ms. Stacy, you got it? Awesome. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. (laughs) So time out for just a second. Insert long-winded preacher joke here. (laughs) Unpause. And let's go. Okay. The upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man... So you ever been in a room late at night with flickering lights? What does that kind of make you just like, oh, I just, just want to get comfortable here. I mean, just get in a good position. And the young man what? A uh, young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell sound asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Oh, so now, what what, what time out? He was in church, though. I mean, come on, right? Because you can't die in church. This is just, really? He fell out of church. Oh, wow. I am never going to be able to read that text again without thinking of that. That's awful. He fell out of church, all right? He died, which, I mean, three stories, that's, you you don't do well with that, okay? So... Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Don't worry, he said. He's alive. 
Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Then how many of them went back upstairs? All. All of them. So all would include who? The dead guy. Eutychus. Yeah. Paul continued talking to them until dawn, and then he left. <laughs> so don't interrupt him in his sermon. He will, he will bring you back to life. Yeah, the resurrection just gave new material. Absolutely, right? He's got, now, now I'm empowered. I mean, at this point, this is God's amen on this sermon. We're going to keep going with this thing, right? This is amazing. So Eutychus, he's the last one. It's beautiful. So, so let me ask you a question, and the question in your handout actually is an abbreviated version of the one in my notes, and it is not correct as it is written. You need to insert two words. So what happened to these, and you can put like a little insert in between these and the word after, uh, except for Jesus, after their resurrection? They died again, right? Yeah. They died. Okay. So except for number eight, they died. And then what happened to Jesus after his resurrection? He what? Lives with an S. Yes, absolutely. With an S. He lives. Today he lives. That's good. So Jesus was different, which is kind of obvious, right? So application. So what's this about, Jim? All right. So number one, Jesus' resurrection was permanent. It's permanent. All the others were temporary. Lasted a little while longer. And then they died again. So what do, we, what do I get from that? All right. So for me, stop looking for temporary solutions. Trust Jesus. Number one on the personalization. Yes, I am fully aware that I skipped number two on the personalization. There's a reason for that. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, application number two, Jesus' resurrection was better. <laughs> it was better. It's also the only one not attributed to a man which is kind of neat. So the personalization for that is uh, trust Jesus. He's better. And the number three, Jesus is the resurrection. It's not just he had a resurrection. He is the resurrection. The others received a resurrection. Jesus is the resurrection. Our hope is in him. So personalization, my hope of resurrection is in Jesus. It is not in somebody who died again, or again and again, or however many agains you want to have. Mm-hmm. Jesus is the resurrection. I have hope because he is the resurrection. He resurrected, and he is the resurrection. It's a beautiful little list of things. It all points back to God's glory, and I hope it underscores for the fact for you that, that if you are sick or ill or whatnot and are living a godly life, that is not a sign of God's curse or God's displeasure, or God's whatever negative word you want to use on your life, it may be for God's glory. And it doesn't make it comfortable, but it makes it true. Sometimes that's better. All right? So that's the uh, resurrection and the life. And next week will be the life focus more than the resurrection focus. So it gets better even next week. It's awesome stuff. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today. Uh, On your tables is... uh, piece of paper it says weekly update if you will make sure your name's on there uh, at the bottom of the page share your prayer requests lean in and pray and uh, we will put the chairs up after you pray and then you are dismissed thanks for coming today guys this is jim fleming and i want to thank you for listening to this podcast if you would like to find out more about our sunday school class or about Stuart heights baptist church you can do so at teachings.jim314.com that's t-e-a 
C-H-I-N-G-S dot J-I-M 314 dot com. (laughs) 